Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help business leaders like you solve the tough people problems that are slowing your company's growth. Joining me today is Dr. Nancy Zoe. Nancy is a sales strategist and the founder of Rapport Builders, who works with service-based business owners who want to increase sales without being salesy. Nancy earned her master's and doctorate from Boston College and is a former professor of social work. She is the author of several books and will be focusing on her latest with co-author Mary Peckus. That book is entitled No Pressure Selling, 15 Proven Formulas for Getting Business Easily. Welcome, Nancy. Oh, thank you, Mike. I'm so excited to join you and to be able to share with your audience. You know, we talked before we started recording a little bit of all the things that you could speak on, what probably would be most meaningful to our listeners. And we kind of keyed in on something that you call the no formula. And we'll come back to that. But by the name, it's pretty much implied. If you own a business, if you run a business, if you're in sales, you have to understand that no comes with the territory. And I was just really intrigued. So what is it about this notion of sounding and acting salesy that seems to be such a turnoff for business owners and for entrepreneurs? I think it's our own experience of being in the customer and being on the receiving end of the selling experience. And that's what turns us off. So because we don't like to be pressured and we don't like it to be canned, robotic, salesy, we project that our customer doesn't want that either. And I think that's true. Wouldn't you agree? I agree wholeheartedly. And that's one reason I wanted you as a podcast guest, because this head game that we tend to play. I don't want to come across as salesy. Um, it can really affect a business's ability to generate revenue. Um, I just don't want to sound or come across that way. So they just don't do that. Um, have you found that to be the case? Business owners, entrepreneurs say, that's not for me. Let me do what I do best. And You're right, Mike. This is why I feel so passionate about the work I do, because the people that I serve best are the people who don't want to become across as salesy. And as a result, they either don't ask for the sale, which, of course, kind of shoots them in the foot, right? You're not going to get a sale you didn't ask for. And it also, um, the, also they take it personally when someone says no. And it kind of wounds them. And because of that, this is the reason why they're shy about asking and why I feel so passionate about giving them the tools and the confidence and the strategies for being able to speak in a genuine, authentic way so that they can ask for the sale without it coming across as salesy. So you mentioned helping, giving them the tools and the competence. Can you give us a kind of a sense? In what ways do you work with clients? How do you help clients? 
So I work with people individually, and I also have a group coaching program. And as you mentioned earlier, I have a number of books, which is a great way to to access the information. And I also have courses. And there is a, a subscription program, a membership program, that gives you the content kind of in small bite-sized chunks so that you can play with it, absorb it, apply it, and benefit from it uh, slowly over time. Mm. I know that you work with folks from all types of industries and in doing so, do you find that people who own businesses, when they've got to go out and sell, they want to talk about their product or, or service. What is what is it about when they have to go and ask for the sale? They don't want to come across as salesy. What do you find? We revert to the way we always view salespeople and we just turn off and just clam up? Well, we all kind of have that stereotype in mind of the used car salesman, right? The fellow who says anything in order to get the sale. And I think that is one of the reasons why people who are not naturally gifted in selling feel shy and reluctant, hesitant about entering the sales arena on the selling side. We've had those experiences where the other person didn't listen to us, where the other person kind of painted us into a corner by um, maybe shaming us or pushing us in a manner we didn't want because, well, you, didn't you say so-and-so and such-and-such? -and -such? I mean, there are many sales tactics and gimmicks out there that people study, people learn, people teach. And I think it's because of that, Mike, that the person who is feels very genuine about serving people and, and is reluctant and shy about being a salesperson. We're not professional salespeople. We're architects, consultants, engineers. We're, you know, we, we identify with our, our educational background and training, not as salespeople. And so there's this disconnect that in order for me to uh, provide my wonderful services, I'm going to have to sell it. And that's where people feel queasy, uncertain, um, Obviously, it, it causes a lot of stress, and it doesn't have to be. Selling can be fun, but it doesn't have to be a game and a manipulation and something that leaves you feeling kind of sleazy, dirty, you know, discontent with uh, maybe selling your soul. You know, I'm so glad you brought up this. I was trying to get to this point, and I may have awkwardly asked the question, but, you know, when you go to school and you receive specialized training in a certain area, you clearly have an interest. You may even have a passion for that, or you're making a product and you know that that product will help others. And you mentioned that sometimes people say, just let me do what I went to school to do. Yes. And do you find that there's a tendency sometimes to either let somebody else do the selling or they just kind of clam up and I guess what I'm hearing is you work a lot with business owners to kind of give them that self-confidence that they can be effective regardless of kind of how they are, their personality and the like. Am I understanding that correctly? 
You're right on target, Mike. I often ask people, you know, what is their business, their occupation, and they answer. And then I say, but that's not really what you do. You have to market and sell what you do in order to become the person that you were trained to be. And for many of us, like you said, we look for a way to circumvent it, to, you know, short change it because we want to get to what we love to do. You know, if you've been trained to be a, uh, a photographer, if you've been trained to uh, be an engineer and, and a problem solver, then honestly, you're not trained in marketing and sales. And so, as you said, what is it that I can do maybe to delegate it, ask somebody else to do it? The truth is, Mike, that the best person for selling you is you. Mm. <laughs> and there's no escaping that. And once you've established yourself and you've begun to develop a, a good foundation for your business, it's possible to bring on someone else. However, you are still going to always be your best salesperson. I promise. And hence, that's why you need to invest in yourself in order to feel comfortable. Because when you're at a networking event of whatever sort, virtual or in-person, invariably someone's going to ask you what you do. And you need a powerful answer that is going to attract the right customers to you because of the fact that you know how to sell yourself. Excellent explanation. I appreciate that. The main title of your all's book is No Pressure Selling. It's unfair for me to ask this, but I'm going to try it nonetheless. If you were to kind of summarize what can be done to take the pressure off, either the seller or, or the like, what is it that you're trying to get across to the reader of your book that means that you can be effective in sales without necessarily using pressure tactics? So there are three things that I want to answer, Mike. First is to always ask for permission throughout the sales process, even from the get-go, may I have your business card? May I make an appointment with you? With your permission, could we schedule some time? When you ask for permission and the other person grants it, you never have to worry about being pushy, aggressive, or salesy. The second principle is to have a natural, unscripted conversation. Again, if it sounds like you have memorized or you're just spewing words that are by rote, it comes across as salesy. So to have a natural conversation, believe it or not, there are various techniques that we offer in the book for how you can actually have a very natural, unscripted conversation and yet have this outline or formulas for what it is you're going to say. And then finally, and this is definitely where my psychology background comes in, is to adjust your communication to match the buyer's style. Um, many people are familiar with personality systems, uh, the idea that there are four different ways that people are actually biologically programmed to think and to act and to make decisions. I call them buying styles. Uh, because, of course, I'm into sales, right? So I call them buying styles. When you adjust your conversation to match the other person's style, it's like speaking German 
if you're talking to somebody from Germany or changing to Swahili, etc. So when you change your communication to match the other person, you're not being inauthentic. You're actually helping this person communicate and understand you better because of the fact you are using their language, their communication style. And so those three things, Mike, absolutely ensure that you will not come across as salesy. You'll come across in a genuine, authentic way. And you'll come across in a way that the prospect finds a likable because you're like me, you're talking like me, you're respecting me by asking permission, and you don't sound salesy because it's natural. So the question was, how does one sell without coming across as being pressure-filled? And you've given us three tips. Let me see if I understood those correctly. And that is, by asking permission throughout the process, you're, they're giving you basically permission to continue on. So that's a green light. But the continue on is less sales presentation and more conversation. You described kind of a natural conversation. Now it's got a it's a conversation with a purpose, and but you're trying to let it evolve in a more natural way. Am I hearing that correctly? Perfect, perfect. And again, if you understand the stages of the sales process, and as you said, Mike, there is a purpose. There's a goal to advance your relationship and thus advance the sales process. If you understand where you're going and you can read the other person, your prospect, where they are in the process, it becomes you're on the same page. It becomes an easy, natural conversation, like you said. I want to come back to that process here in a moment because that third point is one that I'm particularly interested in learning a little bit more about. And that is if you're having a conversation, a natural conversation with someone who's given you permission and the conversation has some purpose, you mentioned that you have to be aware of their styles. You described as their buying styles. How do you help your clients understand what the style differences are? So there are six ways that you can identify style within less than a minute. And this is the this is what I offer in the book as well as to my clients. Uh, first is how people talk. Their actual vocal qualities, fast, slow, uh, do they pause, is there inflection? All of these are clues as to their style. How they look, you know, what clothing do they choose to wear, their accessories, their eyeglasses, their hairstyle, makeup, uh, you know, etc. You know, how they look. The third is how they behave. When you meet somebody for the first time, are they looking you in the eyes? Do they give you a firm handshake? Do they greet you in some other way? Are they, do they gesticulate and gesture as they're talking? These are, again, clues about their style. The fourth is correspondence, because perhaps you're exchanging some emails or writing, or you can actually uh, go read something that they've written. And the words they use and the way the formatting of their writing is another clue. Mm. That brings us to social media. Social media is a combination of their pictures, how they look, what they choose to post in terms of their photographs, and their words how they describe themselves, even the title they give themselves. 
is a clue as to what their style is. And the last one, which is the way, you know, now because of Zoom, we're actually being able to look into people's offices and homes and see how they decorate or not decorate because that, again, is another clue as to their style. So those are the six ones, Mike. And if you, I, I provide the secret decoder ring. I make the invisible visible so that these are things that, you know, you are, you are getting all the time. I mean, you're listening to somebody right now and you know that they're either talking fast or slow or loud or soft, but you don't know what that means. I can tell you. You know, I was intrigued as you were describing these things and that, as you well know, we record this podcast in both audio and video. And the video is uploaded to a YouTube channel. I've always been intrigued to talk to folks to find out some much prefer listening to a podcast. Some prefer to watching the podcast. And it's interesting where those preferences kind of lie. So you have challenged us as business leaders when we're in a sales role if we want to be effective in selling without adding too much pressure you've encouraged us to kind of embrace those three tips ask permission by asking permission they're inviting you into a conversation that the conversation has a natural flow it has a purpose, but while you're having that conversation and moving towards a certain purpose, you're encouraging us to be attuned to the person we're interacting with. And you've given us six examples, their talk, their look, how they behave. If they have examples of correspondence, how do they present themselves on social media? And the last one, one that we didn't see coming two years ago, is the power of Zoom or teams when people are working from oftentimes home environments, different environments, but you also can see things that you might not be able to pick up on if you're on the phone. All of those kind of lead to the next question. There are different parts of the sales process, whereas you're trying to get to yes. Yes, I will buy your product. Yes, I will buy your service. However, more often than not, what you hear is no. And then in large part is what I was hoping we get a chance to kind of chat on. Um, you share that you have developed kind of a formula and this formula has proved very successful, but this formula can convert more than 85% of buyers who first said no to say yes. Would you give us a little insight about that formula, please? Okay, definitely. And first of all, I want to give a lot of credit to Mary Peckis, who is my co-author and colleague. Um, Mary started a virtual call center back in, you know, over 50 years ago when such a thing did not exist. Okay, uh, she spent 35 years of her career developing various formulas because she did. Um, inbound and outbound calling. I have taken those formulas, I've freshened them up for the 21st century, and also at the same time, I have worked with them. So over 35 years of development have gone into the no formula. Mm -hmm. Every word has been carefully uh, researched and crafted. 
And in addition, not only the words, but the delivery. Because words that are memorized again, we talked about that a moment ago, about how it comes across as salesy. Words that are memorized um, are a turnoff. And it sounds like gibberish as opposed to meaning. And so it's important that you practice and rehearse the no formula so that it's very comfortable. It comes off your tongue easily, but that it doesn't sound like a memorized statement. So with that, having been, having said that, Mike, shall I just plow into the no formula? Please do. Okay. So your prospect has just said no. Perhaps you've asked for their business card. Maybe you've asked for an appointment. Maybe you want a follow-up appointment, and the person has said no. Mm. You need a response to this, and the response goes like this. Yes, the timing isn't always right. However, with your permission, may I touch base with you periodically? Now, I'm a psychologist. With, you, yes. with your permission and with your audience's permission, let me unpack and give you insights into that simple little formula. The decision maker said yes, and your response is, I mean, the decision maker said no, and your response is yes. Well, the decision maker was looking for pushback. They were looking for you to debate or argue or tell them, you know, how they should change their mind. And instead, surprise, surprise, pleasantly, you're agreeing with them. And agreement is a beautiful thing when you want to have a relationship, build rapport, and keep that connection going. So you say yes. And furthermore, you're giving them a reason why they said no. Well, the timing isn't always right. That's the reason they said no, as opposed to no, I don't want to meet with you. No, I don't like you. No, you're get out of my life. No, you're telling them instead that it's no, the timing isn't always right. And then you now that we're aligned, now that we're linking arms and we feel connected and we're together on the same page and your decision maker has gone, phew, I don't have to fight with this person. You add the word however. However is a signal that we are shifting, but we're doing the shift together. This is important for you to know that we have linked arms and together we're going to make a shift. However, with your permission, may I? Of course, that's what I've been suggesting that will give you the opportunity to go forward is to ask for permission. You're inviting them and you're giving them the power, you know, to, again, continue with the relationship. With your permission, may I? And then here's where folksy language comes in. Touch base. Touch base is kind of generic. It doesn't really tell you exactly what we're going to do. It's touch base, right? Stay in contact. Be in connection. And then periodically, again, the time frame is open-ended. Periodically. It's not pinning down tomorrow, next week, a month from now. Now, interestingly enough, we have experimented with this no formula, and you can add things like, uh, may I touch base with you in two weeks? May I touch base with you in a month? And that's okay. But the periodically is, is bound to get them to say yes. And again, what are they saying yes to? 
They're saying yes to continuing the relationship, which, Mike, that's the most important thing, right? Is to have that relationship because 97% of buyers are not ready to buy today. Can you repeat that 97, one more time? Yes, 97% of buyers are not ready to buy today, but mm. they could become your customer in the future. So by all means, the fortune is in the follow-up. By all means, you want to maintain that relationship and connection with the individual. You know, the sales statistics tell us that over 70% of sales are made after the seventh contact. And that statistic came before digital marketing was so prevalent. I now believe that it's more like the 12th contact because of the fact that there are so many contacts happening on the internet by people going to websites and landing pages and exchanging text messages and so forth. So again, this no formula you need to be prepared when your prospect says no. It's not the end of the relationship. It can be the continuation of the relationship, uh, and that's what you want to maintain. We started this conversation by talking about sales reluctance. Some folks have sales reluctance because they perceive salespeople as pushy, pressure field and you're trying to say it doesn't have to be that way that the best person to sell you is you but it needs to be a genuine reflection of you and so you've encouraged us thus far is that in engaging a prospect you're trying to get to yes now yes doesn't necessarily mean the ultimate yes i'm buying your product the yes would be a yes that will allow you to continue the conversation, to advance the process. Now you've kind of pointed out, but if you get to that point and now you get a no, it doesn't necessarily mean no, not ever. You're pointing out that as a general rule of thumb, the number of contacts required has gone up. It was said to be it takes seven contacts to get a sale and that accounts for 70 percent of sales you think it's it's much higher it could be as many as 12 and so what that presents is more opportunities if you would for no but what you're encouraging us as listeners is don't let that no be totally defeating and that if we could internalize these magic words in the way that you laid it out. Let me see if I got that right. If you hear no, your response may be, yes, the timing is not right. However, with your permission, may I periodically touch base with you? Did I hear that? Okay. Yay! A yeah. plus for Mike. A plus. Yes, you did. The... And I and I want to share something else because I think it's important for you and our listeners to also recognize, and that is that maybe you did ask specifically for them to hire you or to buy your product, and they said no. Continue to touch base with them. Continue to ask for permission to maintain the relationship, and I'll tell you why. Because when people purchase some other product or service, 
it could be the other person who delivers it, they fail. They don't meet the specifications that this person or the expectations that your decision maker had. And as a result, when you stay in touch and you keep that relationship going, surprise, surprise, you may actually get the sale down the road. So, so important, Mike, that we, the no doesn't mean no to the relationship. The no is not now, the timing's not right. And as long as they're telling you, beat it, I don't want anything to do with you. As long as they're giving you permission to continue to be in the relationship, you got a chance. So keep on slugging there. Nancy, you are a sales strategist, you're a sales coach. You've worked with folks to help them really internalize these concepts. Can you share an example where a client of yours got stuck? And when they got stuck, what did it take for them to get unstuck? So the, the situation that comes in mind was a coaching client a few years back uh, who was, during COVID, mm. uh, she was prospecting on the internet and she hit it off with somebody and they were exchanging uh, messages through that particular platform. And it seemed like they were getting pretty cozy, so much so that the prospect asked for a proposal, which my client go, went ahead, prepared, and sent off. And then crickets, hmm. silence. And nowadays they call it being ghosted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it so happened, she sent uh, follow-up messages, still got the, you know, the blank curtain closed, no response. So at our next coaching call that week, she talked to me about the situation, and here's the scoop. She had asked for permission. That wasn't the problem. She was having a natural, unscripted conversation. But what the, the challenge was is she did not adjust her style to match the prospect's buying style. The prospect was a relational buyer. She was all about connecting heart-to-heart, being a friend, wanting, you know, that bond, feeling like, you know, this was a, a relationship. And my, uh, my client, as soon as she sensed the possibility of a sale, send me a proposal, she became very transactional and mm-hmm. very much focused on, I want the business, here's the proposal, this is what it's going to cost, here's when we're going to start. It turned off the prospect to the point where she was like, what's happened to the person I thought was a friend? So I pointed this out to uh, my client. While we were in the coaching center, uh, coaching session, she texted a message that said, look, I want to maintain our friendship. It's important that uh, we continue our relationship. And I'm sorry if anything I did, you know, kind of pushed the wrong button. Within five minutes, we were still on the coaching call. Uh, we got a text back. The relationship was on and later she went on to get a, a new client. So yes, you we can get stuck. And again, if you know what to do when either you get ghosted or someone says no, then you're going to be prepared to succeed. You know, I, that's a fantastic illustration, but because of your background and that you were able to pick up on that she transitioned from a relationship based interaction to almost a transactional is that the client picked up on that. That's very astute, but it's really remarkable that in your coaching call, she sent the text and within the 
time of your coaching call, the soon-to-be client responded back. That's a great illustration. Thank you on that. Yeah, and, and it can happen just that quickly because when the other person feels we're alike and you get me and you're speaking my language, the trust builds, the comfort level is high, uh, the sales resistance drops, and that opens the door to doing business together. And that's exactly what I teach. Keep those doors open, keep the trust high, the comfort level high, and you will have success. Nancy, we have talked a, a bit about how to go about selling in a no pressure way. And we've put particular emphasis on when we encounter the no, which is inevitable, what might be some things that we can do to turn that no into a yes. As you kind of look back on our conversation, what do you want to be the takeaways for our listeners? Actually, my biggest takeaway, Mike, is your effectiveness as a listener. And I hope that your listening audience will take, uh, will model after that, because not only has Mike paid proper attention, and I know he's taken a few notes, but notice that he's paraphrased and made, paraphrased what he heard, made sure that he understood. I mean, his listening skills are impeccable. And if they say that God gave us, you know, uh, one mouth and two ears, and, and that we're supposed to use them in that proportion, and I just want to tip my hat to you, Mike, that you are the consummate listener. Listening is such an important skill in sales to listen to our clients to ask the right questions so that they do open up and tell us things so that, again, we can use our listening skills and really understand their situation. So kudos to you, Mike. You are amazing. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you so much. Nancy, the folks who have been listening and or watching this are bound to want to be able to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Well, you can find me very actively on LinkedIn at, you know, LinkedIn.com, uh, Nancy Zare, uh, all one word. And Zare rhymes with care. So just put a Z in front of it. Or, of course, on Facebook or my website, which is rapportbuilders.com. And I certainly look forward to connecting with people on your show. If you let me know that you heard me on Mike's show, Guess what? I'll give you a special secret surprise. Oh, wonderful inducement on that. Uh, it's LinkedIn that you and I cross paths mm -hmm. on, and your your posts are very informative. I learn from you, uh, Dr. Zare, um, every time I read your posts. So thank you so much for sharing just a bit of your expertise with our listeners today. Well, thank you again for having me. It was a real joy and pleasure to talk with you and again to be the recipient of such great listening skills. Ah, oh, golly. Now, I guess I got to close this out, but my, you're very, very kind. I do want to thank our listeners for joining us today. <laughs> Every Thursday, we upload the latest episode to all the major platforms. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. My question for our listeners. Are people problems keeping you up at night? If yes, let's talk. Head to bench-builders.com to schedule a quick call. I'll hopefully be listening. 
but in doing so, we'll explore ways to help you solve those nagging people problems so you can, again, focus on growing your business. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you've picked up on some tips from Nancy that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.